0: for joining the QI chat room podcast. I am your host Max Perret. This podcast is sponsored by the Redwood Community Health Coalition, an association of community health centers across six counties in Northern California. We seek to bring you relevant topics from the health sector with a focus on sharing best practices and new information related to quality improvement at community health centers. We've been hosting these podcasts since the fall of 2019, and we hope you join us as we share the latest in health topics.
1: Hello, everyone, and
0: welcome to the QI chat room podcast. My name is Max Perret, and I am your host, and today we are very excited to welcome a guest host from the Redwood Community Health Coalition, Michelle Risachi. Uh, Michelle is our Director, Population Health. And she will be interviewing Catherine Beresi from Partnership Health Plan. I'll turn it over to Michelle. Thank you, Max. We're
2: really excited to welcome our guest, Catherine Baresi from Partnership Health Plan of California, to talk about Cal today. Uh, so Catherine Baresi is the Director of Care Coordination of Partnership Health Plan of California, a nonprofit county-organized health system that ensures Medi-Cal recipients have access to high-quality comprehensive, cost-effective healthcare in 14 Northern California counties, including five of RCHC's six counties. Catherine is a registered nurse certified in public health who works on the design and delivery of basic and complex case management and care coordination activities for the most vulnerable of Californians. Catherine has over seven years of leadership experience in evaluating how health policy translates into the healthcare experiences and outcomes that patients receive. Catherine routinely engages with providers, community partners, advocates, and stakeholders to offer support and technical assistance in the areas of case management, healthcare delivery needs, and health policy in order to improve the lives and health of the communities that partnership serves. In particular, she has provided oversight and guidance in serving the seniors and persons with disabilities population, as well as children and families connected with California's uh, children's services and the plan's implementation of the whole child model, and more recently assisted the plan with implementing various activities under CalAIM. I've had the opportunity to work with Catherine for many years now, and I truly appreciate her expertise and support, and I've seen firsthand how Catherine advocates for health centers and Medi-Cal members at the local and state levels. So, Catherine, welcome. We'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about your role and maybe one hobby that you enjoy in your free time.
1: Thanks. Pleasure to be with everybody this morning. I'm excited to talk about CalAIM and the monumental task of redesigning Medi-Cal what's in front of us. So my role at partnership really um, in meeting with you all today is as the director of care coordination, but also helping the health plan to launch the first of many new benefits and changes under CalAIM, which is enhanced care management. And when I'm not busy doing that, I'm chasing after my two little ones. I've got an almost five-year-old and an almost two-year-old. And to do that, to maintain that stamina, I love to to ride and cycle. I live in the Napa Valley and there's many beautiful spots throughout the Bay Area. Um, Every Saturday, if you're out on the Napa Valley Vine Trail, um, you'll see me on a bike. If we don't meet out there, meeting with you here. Pleasure to meet with the Coalition this morning. And I know you guys are doing such important work and looking forward to helping our providers in any way we can.
2: Thank you, Catherine. It's been a busy year, you know, with CalAIM implementation, both for partnership and for all of the health centers that are implementing the initiative. Um, and so today, we're going to focus on the California Advancing and Innovating Medi-Cal or CalAIM initiative, and specifically the Enhanced Care Management or ECM benefits. There are many other components of CalAIM led by the California Department of Healthcare Services, including population health management, community supports, um, new dental benefits, behavioral health delivery, system transformation. Services and supports for justice involved adults and youth transition to statewide enrollment with consistent managed care benefits and delivery system transformation. Um, and so we're going to focus on ECM today. And so if you could just start by telling us, you know, what is Cal and ECM and what are the goals?
1: Thanks, Michelle. Enhanced care management, uh, the acronym we use, ECM, um, is really taking different components of pilot and demonstration programs that have worked in California's recent history and turning it into a statewide benefit. So more succinctly, what we are talking about are the whole person care pilots that started throughout the state for Medi-Cal beneficiaries at many of your health centers in uh, 2017. And the Health Homes Program uh, started around the state about 2018 and taking those best practices and kind of forming this new model of care management and turning that into a benefit for Medi-Cal beneficiaries who qualify. Enhanced care management is essentially an intensive face-to-face model of care management, with the goal being that providers are reaching out and connecting with the highest needs, most complex Medi-Cal beneficiaries, um, people with multiple chronic conditions, multiple psychosocial needs and drivers that are impacting their health, and more importantly, the utilization of really precious healthcare resources. The goal with ECM in particular is to really provide a key quarterback for that beneficiary, for our member, um, somebody that they can call who will help them navigate multiple systems, multiple payers, multiple benefits, regardless of the setting that those services occur in. As you can imagine, to get there, it's going to take a lot of work because our systems don't really talk today the way they need to, and our our patients, you know, each system has its own components or criteria. They're complex. All the more reason why. Why? it's important that these services really are center, uh, patient-centered, and simple for them to understand. And ultimately, the state envisions that if we can move the dial on some of these other components of care that influence health outcomes and costs, we can save cost overall. So reducing unnecessary ER or hospitalization visits, looking at things that augment and offset medical costs, such as community, CBAS, Community-Based Adult Services, or IHSS, those things, and And really putting a concerted effort about coordinating that for someone.
2: Thank you. Do you have examples of what the program may look like um, in County Serve Red Partnership Health Plan? And and again, that's five of of our six counties, including Napa, Marin, Solano, Sonoma, and YOLO.
1: Yeah, we do. We absolutely do. Um, Even though we just launched this past January, um, we're already hearing some really great patient examples and wins, which is great to hear this early on. So for the first counties that went live, there are certain populations of focus that are eligible for enhanced care management. Um, Those populations of focus are adults and youth who are experiencing homelessness. um, And the way they define homelessness uses the HUD definition of homelessness, who have chronic conditions and some psychosocial uh, drivers. Um, The second population of focus that is eligible for ECM are um, high utilizers, adults that are high utilizers. And these are folks that have been to an ER five or more times in the past six months, or had two or more unplanned admissions within that same time frame. Um, and the last population of focus for ECM are adults with serious and persistent mental illness and/or substance use disorder who, again, have multiple chronic conditions, behavioral health challenges, psychosocial needs. Those three populations started in our five counties this past January and. I think it's best to really illustrate what this looks like with kind of a patient story or a vignette so you can kind of see what we're talking about. I can share with you anecdotally that there was a, a female in Northern California who was about 20 weeks pregnant and homeless, diagnosed with covid went to the hospital, was intubated, and had some serious medical challenges, along with the fact that she was going to need a safe discharge um, and ultimately um, high-risk prenatal needs once um, she got out of the hospital. We connected her with an ECM provider, that uh, a group that she was familiar with, and she has subsequently delivered two healthy twins. found Housing um, is in, connected with IHSS for further supports and needs. And so that's just kind of one example of, of somebody who benefited from having this level of face-to-face face engagement um, upon discharge from a hospital to really thread the needle around really important needs during this continuum of care in her life and thereafter. Another really great example that I can think of, if you're thinking of who this benefit might be best suited for, um, is an individual who um, recently participated in partnerships, uh, wellness and recovery benefit services, and was completing an inpatient residential stay for uh, substance use disorder. And this individual I had no place to go to transition after after treatment and was connected with an ECM provider while they were in treatment. Um, and that ECM provider helped them find transitional housing, helped them get reestablished with the primary care provider um, in their area, um, as well as mental health services and IOP once they were out of the, the residential setting. So again, the ECM provider really acting as that key contact with connecting to the PCP, finding the mental health resources that were needed and the housing support. Um, not just for that transition, but for long term, so this person could continue to have the successes that they needed. Again, we're not talking about individuals who have just one diagnosis or may need just occasional support. These are folks that have that touch multiple areas of the healthcare delivery system and need somebody to kind of be with them throughout that continuum.
2: Thank you. It's so helpful to hear those those real examples. Um, we know partnerships has been working really hard behind the scenes to adjust the engagement modalities accepted for CalAIM ECM and now allows not just in-person ECM engagement, but also telephonic and video. Can you talk a little bit about the engagement process and any tips you have for health centers?
1: Yeah, this is a great question. And this comes up very often because for the state, the ECM model is very different than the whole person care pilots that that were operated. We recognize that due to some of our our rural localities, that telephonic and televideo was going to be important. Um, While the state very much did envision a face-to-face kind of street team, intensive boot on the ground model for ECM, that that wasn't realistic for some of our most rural communities, even, you know, communities there on the coast, right? And so we We really fought hard to make sure that when possible and when appropriate, providers that partnered with uh, and contracted with partnership for ECM had the ability to provide telephonic televideo services via an ECM model. And that was since approved. In terms of outreach and engagement, kind of best uh, strategies and tips that I can share with health centers is that, you know, working from a list and cold calling clients um, via phone to engage in ECM, it's really not the best way to meet these folks where they're at, both Physically and uh, from a care perspective, the best way to get somebody and a client engaged in saying yes to these services and beginning the process is to go out to find where they're at or and or even to talk with the providers in the clinics to see who's frequenting in and out or who's coming in to ask for help with paperwork or presenting at the desk with problems that your clinic can't solve and then. Once you find those individuals clustering the appointments um, so that your care managers are meeting with them while they have time with the clinician or they're there at the dental clinic or they've got a mental health appointment, that really is the best way to make the best use of everybody's time, um, but also to really capture that person while they're there.
2: Great. Thank you so much for that. Another challenge we hear from health centers is the double and triple data entry to document outreach and engagement attempts. Are there opportunities to reduce the administrative burden for health centers and for the ECM?
1: Yes. The The short answer to that is yes. Uh, we hear this very commonly. And I will say this is very characteristic of new benefits. The state wants the data. They want to see how many phone attempts, how many in-person attempts our providers are making, because really, truly, that helps inform rates um, and then helps us pass on those rates to our providers. So while we acknowledge that it's uh, sometimes burdensome and duplicative, it really is important long term to creating sustainability and viability of this program. In terms of us looking at ways, um, one of the ways that partnership in the state is is helping to improve this is through our grants, which I'm sure we'll get to later um, to talk about. If there are solutions that our contracted ECM providers see as a better way to do this, but they need some funding support to do that, they can always apply for a grant for Partnership to Review because there is additional dollars available for data exchange and information and inefficiencies with regards to this, this piece.
2: Right, And that's also kind of connected to the challenge of contact information. So we know contact information on referrals for ECM are, is often outdated and locating members for outreach and engagement has been extremely challenging in some cases. What options are you aware of for health centers to use additional data sources for more updated patient information?
1: Great call out. Historically, the data that we get from DHCS and and Medi-Cal in terms of contact information is usually outdated and poor. And we have known that here at the health plan for, for quite some time. I'm excited to share that our ECM providers use a platform called Collective Medical. That platform is an HIE system that connects real time to all of the hospitals in Northern California, with the exception of Gerald Phelps in Stanford, I would really encourage our ECM provider network to look there for updated contact information for folks that they're trying to reach because oftentimes upon admission or even a discharge, there's new and updated phone numbers or people that can be found there in the notes for our ECM providers to connect with folks and engage them.
2: Thank you for that tip. And I'll also share that Redwood Community Health Coalition is exploring how a system like Ninepatch which was selected by the community as a platform for Sonoma Connect, Sonoma Unidos, um, can connect to Collective Medical to support information sharing and data collection. So hopefully more to come as far as integrating. What advice do you have for health centers that have contracted as ECM providers or are planning to start the contracting process?
1: I don't think that this could be overstated enough. I think that having realistic expectations and kind of a first, second, and third year planning strategy with regards to um, your staffing ratios and your workflows is really going to be key. Many of our health centers participated in partnerships own IOPCM, um, intensive outpatient case management program, and or were very much involved in whole person care pilots. And like I said, ECM is a little bit different. The requirements are a little bit different, the data capture as we mentioned, is a little bit different um, and the reporting is different. And so It's not an apples to apples match. So really good, thoughtful planning about what is realistic um, for your team's bandwidth. I would also say that please, please, please participate in partnership roundtables that we have for our ECM providers. That's where we talk about best practices and billing efficiencies and kind of requirements that really will take some of that burden off your teams for having to figure it out. And just know that at any time throughout the contracting process, our teams are happy to meet with you to talk about this um, before signing on the dotted line. And what I will say is what's unique about ECM in particular is that we at the health plan are required to identify patients proactively that would qualify for this benefit and send them as referrals to our contracted ECM providers. But there's a unique lever there our ECM providers are contractually and within our policy able to tell us almost on a gas break, if you will. We can take more, you know, send less in a real-time way so that we are not inundating those providers with referrals. We, we follow behind you, your lead in terms of your capacity and what you're able uh, to accommodate.
2: Great. Thank you so much. Can you tell us a little bit about the QIP incentive that can support ECM outreach?
1: Sure. I'm really excited about this. Um, I think this is unique to partnership. And so I'm really happy that we took a look at this. We heard real time in building this program from our providers about the administrative burden. And so we made a, um, a strategic decision actually to incentivize our providers for uh, completing the required reporting. Some health plans just built this in and said, nope, you've got to do it. But partnership went the extra mile and said, we are going to pay our ECM providers an additional $100 per member per Month for completing the timely reporting. Like I said, this benefit is new, and it's very important to the state to collect this data, and we can't collect it without the partnership of our of our network to kind of really help offset the cost of, of doing that. We have this additional CalAIM Quality Incentive Program. So in in year one right now, it's it's literally just a payment for turning the report uh, the accurate reports timely to us, um, and in year two, it could evolve into some quality measures, perhaps collecting blood pressure screening or PHQ-9 scores for folks enrolled in enhanced care management so that we really are truly now looking at that next level, which is outcomes associated with the model and intervention.
2: Great. Thank you. Uh, At yesterday's partnership roundtable for ECM, they were announcing this, and they also mentioned that there's partial credit as well. If if it's not 100% timely reporting, there's also um, a a 50%, I believe, payment made. So excellent. Thank you. Um, What should health centers know about partnerships round two grant program? You did mention that earlier.
1: Yeah, so um, if you're not familiar, in addition, one of the other pieces under CalAIM, specifically for enhanced care management and the other initiative called Community Supports that was launched at the same time, the state has actually allocated $600 million over the next two and a half years of investment funds to contracted ECM and Community Supports providers that center around three very key component areas, the first being uh, data exchange. So we talked about kind of nine-patch and and that real-time member information. The second area being around capacity building, hiring staff so that more lives can be served. And the third component being infrastructure. This is more so truer on the community support side, but perhaps for the ECM side, it could look like things that are associated with capital costs like iPads or printers or things that help street teams get mobile. There is funding that partnership has that we are essentially a pass-through to our contracted ECM providers, and, and we are reviewing actually grant applications now through Partnerships CalAIM Grants. And so I'm excited to announce the next round of grant funding is is quickly upon us. Partnership is having a webinar this coming Monday, May 16th, and applications are due on June 10th. And the only caveat is that you have to be a contracted provider. Um, And if you need more information about that, you can definitely go to Partnerships website under CalAIM, or you can email us at uh, at partnershiphp.org.
2: Thank you. And and we also learned that if you apply for round one, you're still eligible to apply for round two, selecting a different focus. Please tell us about the next steps for expansion to new populations of focus.
1: Right. I know for some of you, ECM and community supports for the first three have already launched um, in our five counties. Partnership is uh, very busy getting ready to launch um, enhanced care management in Yolo County starting in July um, and Lake County, which we're really excited about. And what I will say is right behind that, six months later, um, the state is adding in three more populations of focus that will be eligible for this benefit. So, and those populations of focus are folks who who are at risk of institutionalization. Think of this as your seniors and persons with disabilities. Folks without the proper supports um, in the community would likely um, reside in a, a boarding care home. The second is actually really unique. The second population of focus are folks who are in a boarding care or a skilled facility and who, who want to get out, who actually want to go back to the community but can't because they lack, they lack the, proper, the proper supports. Um, and so really partnering with our, our skilled nursing um, and healthcare facilities to help understand more about what, what has to happen in order to for that person to transition out safely. Perhaps that's housing, perhaps that's aligning SSI funds, perhaps that's applying for CBAS, getting some DME equipment in place, reconnecting with a provider, all of those pieces. And then the other population of focus that starts throughout our 14 counties, again, in January of 2023 is the incarcerated population. DHCS has preliminarily told us that they anticipate this population to be folks who are recently moving from a, incarcerated status back into the community, but that It could be as far back as 12 months if they were incarcerated at any point um, within the previous 12 months and need reconnection back to Medi-Cal and community-based services. What's interesting about the incarcerated population under CalAIM and specifically with ECM is that the state actually has a mandate to help folks um, who are um, justice-involved renew and reconnect Medi-Cal eligibility. So this is the state's way of meeting that mandate under a law is through the ECM benefit So we are really going to be interested in partnering with health centers that have pilot programs and experience in doing that kind of in-reach in the coming months.
2: Thank you, Catherine. That was a lot of really great information. I know, Catherine, you're also on the CalAIM, uh, the statewide CalAIM Implementation Advisory Committee, which now RCHC is a part of so that we can bring all of our member, you know, concerns and questions and escalate that um, I'm just curious if you want to talk a little bit about your role in, in that uh, committee and, and the opportunity for collaboration at the state level.
1: Great. Yeah, I'm, I was really excited to see that our CHC uh, was there. I think it's incredibly important in this policy work that we are shining a light to operations and what actually makes sense for providers, because ultimately that's what the members are going to experience. And so our role there at partnership is to not only give voice to our members, but our providers as well. And so uh, more recently, uh, the group was talking about the populations of focus that start in January of 2023, specifically those at risk for institutionalization. Partnership as a COS plan, a county-organized health system, we have had long-term care benefits carved into the services that we provide to our members for some time. Things like like um uh, Sniff nursing stays and community-based adult services. So th- we were giving feedback to the state on actually what works for this population um, and, and being real about that um, and what works for the providers. And they were really listening and taking that to heart, which, which was lovely. And that's just kind of a small example of our work. And uh, in collaboration like this with RCHC, um, working with you um, and our many health centers to continue to elevate the issues and, and to call out the highlights um, of what works is, is really our, our goal when we participate.
2: Thank you. And we really appreciate your, your role there. And I will give a shout out to Alfred from Sonoma Valley community health centers um, who actually recommended that RCHC also join that, that statewide um, implementation advisory committee, realizing that that it was just, you know, health plans and counties and that there weren't a lot of health center representation there.
1: Yeah. Great call out. Good morning. Thank you for that. Good morning. Good morning.
2: Catherine, again, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. We will will be uh, publishing this podcast and sharing it uh, more widely. Um, So thanks, everyone, for joining, and uh, we will see you next time.
1: Great. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for joining the QI Chatroom podcast. We appreciate you, our listeners, for joining us today. If you have suggested future topics, please email m p e r r e y at rchc.net. And please follow us, the Redwood Community Health Coalition, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Goodbye for now. Till next time on the QI chat room.